And this episode of the Disney Dads Podcast is brought to you as a courtesy from our Patreon supporters. They support the show so you don't have to listen to commercials other than maybe some of that amazing um, that amazing travel agent. What was his name? Uh, Justin, over and away with me travel. Of course, of course we need to talk about him a little bit. But other than that, you're not getting any commercials, guys. And that's because of those guys. Now listen, I might be a little biased here, but when I say that they support the show, they also get free content and a lot of shenanigans happens over on the Patreon side. And when I say, eh, we have some fun, Guys, I mean, we have a lot of fun, so maybe consider joining them. If not, let's give them at least a round of applause and say thank you for a commercial-free, amazing show. Round one was over. (laughs) Parents won. Kids, sip. I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing. That was all started by a mouse. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Gentlemen. Start your engines! To infinity and beyond! There's a touch of madness around here. Welcome to Disney Dads Podcast, a show that's a little about us, a lot about Disney, and fun for the whole family. My name is Justin, and tonight I am so excited because it's been a long time coming that not one, not two, not three, but all four of the guys are here. We're all here to talk Disney, talk some positivity, and have a lot of fun. And man, I am so glad to catch up with you all. I've missed those smiling faces. So tonight, I'm going to start with my good buddy because he's repping my boy. He's had kind of a rough week, not Joe, but Figment, because he's been the most popular person in the disney parks joe how are things going man dude i'm doing great man it's good to be back with the uh, the whole crew here and yeah my boy figment uh had a very very exciting week uh in epcot so i love to see all the love being shown to that little purple dragon he is amazing and dave i don't know man people waiting eight hours for a bucket just saying oh it's it's he's the man he's the absolute man How, how bad am i that i talked to charles mary on the phone and he goes yeah i'm heading down uh if uh I guess I read what I wanted to out of the text because I was, I just he said something about figment popcorn bucks and I just said I'd love one and then I realized that he never asked me if I wanted one and I was like oh okay <laughs> never, never mind I think I jumped the gun on that one I'm sorry uh, it's all good so after seven hours of wait I don't need one it's it's fine uh, Mike man how are things going I'm doing good uh, the house is a complete mess um, you never realize how much stuff you have till you actually have to put it in a box uh, I know Dave you've gone through that just recently you know just moving into your new house so I know you know what that's all about uh, we're in the home stretch I am really 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 I need some Disney magic maybe some Tinkerbell pixie dust that I get a call from the lawyers this week and we get to go to closing uh, that would be absolutely fantastic so hopefully by the time this episode drops I can get some 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 of our Disney family to uh say a little pixie dust prayer that we got our closing date this week because i'm tired of living out of boxes the kids need a date and i need some warm sunshine because i am in my garage right now without my heater and it is a cool 15 degrees in the garage right now so the things i do for the show uh i know dave's gonna complain because it's in the 60s by him but um but yeah i'm bundled up i have on a a robe i have a towel i have a a, so if you you see me freeze up it's not because of my internet connection it's because of the actual temperature so uh but i'm looking forward to uh, getting down there soon and thawing out a little bit 
How much are you going to miss that garage recording, though? You've been doing it now for four years. You know, I was in the garage the first year, and then I moved into into the office. Uh, how much are you going to miss that at garage? Well, well, here's the thing. So the new house, Laura has this gigantic, expansive office. You know, she works from home. She has this whole dedicated area for her. I'm being rele- relegated to the garage again. So um, it's going to be more be recordings from the garage, though. but it'll be warmer. So uh, and I think I'm going to put an air conditioning unit in our garage. So it should be a little bit more temperature controlled for... Uh, those hot, you know, Myrtle Beach nights. Just make sure that uh, that my buddy, the cricket, makes his way down too. Yes, okay, already, he's, he's already been packed. A, he's been a big part of the show for years now, so we we will miss our good buddy Jiminy if he does not make the trip. Uh, I tell you, someone we've really missed because not only was he working during one show, but then he goes on vacation. But man, I'm so glad to see you back, buddy. Dave, what's going on, man? Dude, I have had a crazy, crazy couple of weeks uh, coming out of uh, Christmas and New Year holiday season in Disney World and then straight into a, a beautiful cruise on the independence of the seas. Ooh, That's, I yeah. That Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I'm, I'm going to be back on board very soon, um, which I'm very excited for. And um and then uh, recently, also a couple of days ago, had a birthday. So it's been a busy couple of weeks, my friend. That's awesome, though, man. Happy, happy birthday to you. I, uh, I've i been saving this topic tonight until we could have you on the show because I thought it needed all four of us. I didn't think this was a topic that needed to be uh, kind of dove into without all four of our inputs because as Disney fans and as people that love this company, it's about someone who has had more influence over the company in the last two decades than just about anybody, and that is Bob Iger. And I am ecstatic tonight that we are going to look back on the effect and the legacy that Bob Iger had on the Walt Disney Company. So I come to you guys with this first before we dive into kind of Bob Iger before he got to Disney. When I say Bob Iger, what is the one word that comes to mind? Dave, I'm going to start with you. Oh, um... He has exemplified leadership, mm-hmm. uh, I'd say, in his tenure in that role. That's two words, but that's very well done. I, Explain I go, well, leadership. I like yes. it. I like it. That's really well done. Mike, what about you? Uh, if I had to pick one word, I would say savior. Ooh, okay. Okay. Joe? Yeah. So mine's a phrase, uh, Galaxy's Edge. <laughs> I just remember him announcing that at D23. And I just always think of Bob Iger, think of Galaxy's Edge and Star Wars and all the impact uh, with bringing that Lucasfilm, that franchise to the Disney company. Just I know he's done so much more, but that's the one thing that really stands out that we we talk about. We see every day you know, in our Disney parks lives is, is Star Wars. For me, it's image. Uh, I think when I think Bob Iger, I think image. He he exemplified the image that needed to be on the front uh, of the Disney company. Um, he's the perfect representation of the Disney company for me while he was there and for the growth that the Disney company saw while he was in at the helm and in charge. So um, we're going to dive in and, and talk about Bob tonight. This is all about Iger, all about Bob. Um, what about Bob? All about Bob. And I'm excited to get into it. Joe, I know you looked into a little bit about him before he reached into the Disney company. Uh, what's something, teach us a little bit, man. What's something that maybe we don't know? So I'm going to give you guys like the 10,000 foot overview of Bob Iger's maybe kind of coming of to his uh, position within uh, the Walt Disney Company. So um, he was born as a New Yorker, right? He's from a South Shore, Long Island guy. He was born in Oceanside, New York uh, on February 10th, 1951. Uh, he's the oldest son of Mimi and Arthur. Uh 
Arthur was a World War II Navy veteran, and he was also the executive vice president GM of a marketing corporation uh, that kind of dealt with advertising and public relations. So, And his mom was, I believe, a, a homemaker, but also worked at a school, too. So you can kind of see with his upbringing, uh, you know, especially with his dad being in, in public relations and advertising, like he, the track that he was already on being like, you know, being raised around that. But yes, yeah, so he was a New Yorker, born on the South Shore of Long Island. Um I said he had a, a younger sister, uh, one younger sister, and from a young age, you know, from the little research that I, you know, from some of the research that I did on this you know, topic, you know, he was a, a big fan of books, um, so that was one of his uh, childhood hobbies, which he loved to read. Um, but the one thing that I noticed uh, with, when doing research on this was that uh, his father struggled with bipolar disorder. Okay, and from and this was taken from some of the book that he had just written. Uh, his father looked at himself as being a failure, and. Iger didn't really want to end up kind of like his dad. You know, we always say, want to say we want to be like our dads or our dads are our heroes, right? You know, but he didn't want to be like his dad. He wanted to do better. He didn't want to be looked at as a failure. Like his dad looked upon himself and obviously his dad had some mental illness and stuff, but, uh, so he always strived to, uh, to achieve success. So when he went to college, he went to college, uh, with Ithaca college in uh, Western New York. And he graduated with a Bachelor of Science in Television and Radio. And he gradu- graduated magna cum laude. So the, the guy went to class and did his work. He just didn't go there and party. He he studied and did his thing. And uh, he, he received uh, great marks. Um, after graduating from Ithaca College, uh, he worked for a small time at a local Ithaca uh, television station uh, where he was a local reporter. And this is the best part. He actually was a weatherman. And I could just picture Bob Iger, you know, the guy that we've known to see on stage at D23 and and all the Disney, uh, you know, parks or Disney company announcements and calls giving the weather for Western New York. I just <laughs> I, I can't imagine it talking about like cold fronts coming in through the Great Lakes and stuff. It just uh, I would love to see some video of that. But he was a local reporter and a weatherman. And I guess, uh, you know, like when you first get into the workforce, you find things uh, you find out things about yourself, what you're good at, what you're not good at. And uh, I guess, you know, he realized he wasn't the best at being, uh, uh, you know, doing as, being on TV as a weatherman and a news reporter. So he decided to change his career path a little bit. And uh, back in uh, so 1973, he decided to move back down to uh, New York and, and got a job in Manhattan at an ABC uh, studio in the city. And uh, he was uh, listed as a studio supervisor. And, you know, he performed various jobs there. He, uh, you know, everything, including from showing up at 430 in the morning to let stage hands in on set to checking in on the catering and keeping the staff happy. So any kind of menial tasks as a supervisor to keep his people happy he did that and he, and it sounds like he had no problem doing that. So it's kind of setting the stage of like being a leader and, and going into doing anything you need to do to get the job done. And uh, so that's kind of what he did when he first started uh, uh, working as a studio supervisor at ABC, uh, you know, dealing with his future success. Uh, you know, he learned being in that position. He learned kinds of all different about different kinds of television shows, about soap operas, game shows, news shows, being exposed to uh, that climate uh, working at the ABC, uh, you know, studio in Manhattan kind of set him up for success going forward. I mean, you kind of learn as you go along. I think we've all done that in all of our jobs, working different, different, uh, positions and you kind of grow as a person. And that's what Bob did. He, he worked in various uh, areas, uh, in that industry. He also, you know, worked crazy hours. Like you said, he woke up at four 30 in the morning uh, to let people in. So obviously those days start much earlier than that. Uh, and that's, you know, you could see as being like the you know the CEO of, of the one of the biggest companies in America or in the world. I mean, he had that ethic going back to when he was you know when he was younger. So uh, I think that 
yeah, that definitely was great. Um, while working for ABC, he eventually moved to ABC Sports, uh, where he worked under the leadership of a man named Rune Eldridge. And uh, that gentleman was known to have extremely high standards. And I guess he had noticed that Bob did a great job and, uh, you know, brought Bob on to work different kinds of, uh, you know, of projects within ABC Sports. And this is like an interesting uh, an interesting note is um, he, Bob was one of the uh, the leader of the first broadcast team that um, went into North Korea to film a table tennis match mm-hmm. or table tennis championship. And this is back in the 70s. So that's just crazy how he like led that team to to film that. It's just absolutely nuts. But uh, he did such a good job, you know, that uh, with doing that. And the leader executive leadership at ABC uh, kind of saw that and uh, kind of led into him uh, being at ABC for 12 years. He became the, uh, the vice president of ABC Sports. Uh, you know, and that's at the time that, uh, uh, a company called capital city communication was acquired or acquired ABC sports and, uh, kind of his role kind of changed. So things kind of started happening quickly. We're kind of getting into, uh, the eighties and nineties now, but, uh, in the mid eighties after that acquisition, after being with the ABC sports, uh, Bob was one of the, uh, senior had a senior role and actually in the 1988 Calgary Olympic, uh, winter games. And, uh, that was a very successful broadcast. Actually, remember, it's probably one of the first actually winter games I remember watching on television. Believe it or not, it was the 88 uh, Olympic Games, which is kind of crazy to think about how long ago that was. But from that success, uh, Iger was then promoted to executive vice president of ABC Television. And at the job, that was the number two uh, position at ABC. Uh, and at that time, this is like the late 80s now. And now we're kind of like giving you the 10,000 foot overview. But now we're getting into the time where... Iger was becoming the head of ABC Entertainment, and then eventually in the early '90s, you know, Disney kind of comes in and acquires ABC. So that's kind of where like he kind of roll into the Disney, um, the the Disney acquisition, and him kind of like working with Eisner and all that kind of good stuff. That's kind of where I leave you guys off with that. But that's kind of like I said, the ten thousand, you know, the broad view, the ten thousand foot view of Iger's kind of climb. You know, I didn't know a ton about the guy, and for preparing a little bit for this show. I've kind of been critical of him a little bit, but I have a lot of respect mm-hmm. for this guy now, actually. And and I learned a lot of things but about him that I had no idea. He's not one of these guys that was just kind of handed something. The dude, you know, didn't come came from a menial household, went to college, he worked hard, he graduated Magna Cum Laude. I mean, obviously don't just give that away. Gotta earn it. And, you know, got a job at a local station and just kind of moved his way up. And, you know, he kind of did it with one company, if you think about it. ABC became Disney and you know, he stayed at his job and worked his way up. And I, I got a lot of respect for that. I mean, I really do. And definitely my outlook on this man has definitely changed since uh, kind of looking into his background. It's, it's pretty impressive, guys. It really it really is. I have a lot of respect. Let's for dive into this a little bit, because I want before we dive into his, you know, what he brought to Disney into the parks and, and the growth of the company under him. I want to talk about his upbringing a little more and some of the points you brought up, Joe. You know, you were talking about how I, I think a lot of people when they look at people of crazy wealth and crazy um, uh, success that they think, well, they had a leg up or they had this. I mean, when you talk about Bob, you talked a little bit in, in 1974 when he joined ABC and it's, he had his first job kind of really being just kind of a handyman, like going here, there, making sure everything was good. He only made $150 a week. That was his salary. Now, I know money's a little different, um, now from them, but still $150 a week is not much guys. Like in terms of today, that would be $700 a week. 
So imagine living on twenty hundred dollars. He was a supervisor, supervisor. Too. He was a supervisor too. Yeah. Um, and and like you said, he does not come from a family that said here. Here is I saw a great thing today. Uh, the other day, somebody posted on Twitter. They're like, "Here's the best ways to become a um, CEO of a, of, a, of a Fortune 500 company." One, four thirty a.m. wake ups. Two, cold showers. Three, uh, work eighteen hour days. Four, have your father start a Fortune 500 company. (laughs) 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 It's like, okay, you know, well, this guy didn't get that. You know what I mean? This wasn't his, that's not the way he got to where he was. Um, One more thing I want to touch on, I'll I'll turn it over to Dave and and Mike, see what what they have to add, is if you're you're a kid right now listening to the show, you're 8, 9, 10, 11 years old, and you've always dreamed of, I would love to run the Disney company, or I'd love to have a job like that in the future. I want to pinpoint one thing that that Bob Iger said that he loved at an early age, and that's reading. If you look at people like Elon Musk and Bob Iger and and people that are extremely successful, one thing they all have in common is their love uh, to read at an early age. So pick up a book and and spend some time each day reading. I know the parents right now are going, yes, thank you, Justin, for helping me. Uh, But pick up a book, read. It, It really is. Pick up something you may not be interested in, give it 50 pages and then get something new if you don't like it. But you may find something that you really enjoy. So that's my little spiel. Uh, Mike, when you look at Bob Iger at this, you know, did you know a lot about the guy before we kind of started the show? I knew a little bit about it, not as much as Joe had with the details. Um, I, I will say, though, that I think anybody who starts from nothing and works their way up has a greater appreciation for what they have, somebody that was handed it. And I think that somebody who has, has as you can see in the talking about how the Bob Iger success uh, took place, how that he it, 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 it shines through to the way he handles the park these days. You know, he's one of those guys, like, listen, I would see, believe it or not, when I worked for the Mets, I would see the CEO of the Mets walk around and pick up a wrapper off the ground. You know what I mean? I would see him, you know, do those small things, look in the bathrooms and do stuff like that. Stuff that you didn't always see, but I know they would see. They would pay attention to the details. And, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but I think when you when you really earn it your own way up, the way he did it, I think you have a greater appreciation for it. And I think that breeds a lot of success. Uh, no, hundred percent agree. I mean, those are those are the great leaders. They lead by example and not with their words. Um, that is that is the key to being a great leader. Dave, uh, personal interactions at times. You know, what's yeah. your what's your take with the guy, man? I mean, I've been very blessed to have the opportunity to yes meet him a couple of times, but um, I was fascinated listening to Joe's background there and talking about uh, Bob's upbringing and some of those early jobs that he had where like he was a like there was that running theme of he was a supervisor or like which meant that he was right there in the thick of it he wasn't the kind of guy that was uh sitting back and uh, watching from afar like he was boots on the ground in north korea uh Mm -hmm. he was in he was in calgary he wasn't the guy back in the new york studio directing everything and making sure that it was running smoothly he was right there in the thick of it um and i think that uh is a reflection on what we've then seen in the way he has been involved in the running of the disney company since he took the helm yeah and you it's it's funny you mentioned that because not only was he boots on the ground but he was also thinking outside the box when a lot of people weren't Joe mentioned the fact that, you know, he was in charge, kind of the program executive for the Calgary uh, Winter Olympics. 
they had terrible weather that Olympics, and they had to fill a ton of spots. He created something that now we see in every sport across the world all the time. Bob went and he said, they went, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? We don't have enough sports right now to fill the time slots that we need on TV. And so Bob created these personal pieces about not the sport, but about the people in the sports. And so two of the greatest stories you ever get that go on to become Disney movies, he does a in-depth piece about the Jamaican bobsled team, and he does an in-depth piece about Eddie the Eagle. I mean, the guy solved problems right off the top. And it was because of this that people at ABC started to realize this guy has potential. This guy can do this. And they started to move him up the chain. So a lot of times it's just being creative and taking a chance. I mean, can you imagine if Bob had done, instead of putting sports on TV, if Bob had done these these pieces on these people and people had just tuned the channel? They'd gone, no, we don't want to watch that. Yeah, crazy. We don't see him as the as the CEO of the Walt Disney Company. He took a chance, created something new, and you know, it was successful. And that's what really I think puts Bob Iger above a lot of people uh, th- that have maybe held higher higher things. And that brings me to I want to open our Disney portion of the show with a quote from Bob Iger. The quote's this: "The riskiest thing we can do." is just maintain the status quo. It's my favorite Bob Iger quote. The riskiest thing we can do is just maintain the status quo. Always looking to build, to be bigger, to grow as a company, as a man. Uh, you know, anyone can use this in their lives. So the riskiest thing we can do is just maintain the status quo. Let's start talking about his, uh, his effect on the Disney company a little bit. So... When he comes in, Dave, to the Disney company, they were in a little bit of turmoil. Not a little bit, a lot of turmoil. Inner office fighting. Eisner and and Roy Disney can't stand each other. I mean, can't stand each other. They want Eisner out. They are done. They want to replace him as, as a CEO. And all of a sudden, Iger gets hired uh, at... Um, at, at ABC, well, he was at ABC. He, he comes on at ABC, he stays there until 1999. Uh, but on February 25th, 1999, Disney names Iger the COO, COO of Disney. What do you think Eisner's mindset is right this moment? You have this guy, super successful. Now, let's all imagine our jobs. Super successful, coming up the ladder. He's loved by the people around him. And everyone around you wants you out. Now, with this said, I'm an Eisner lover. I, I love I love Michael Eisner. What do you think his mindset is? Do you think he's looking for a way out, or do you think I'll embrace this guy? I mean, Eisner was such a divisive character in the history of the Disney company. And we 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 love him for what he achieved early on. And then there was this real switch in the way. Um, that he was viewed and the way that he was portrayed and uh, the, the way that the Disney company almost tells that period of time where he almost became not 
necessarily a villain, but he mm-hmm. wasn't necessarily liked when he didn't have uh, after the death of Frank Wells, where he no longer had that balance. And then um, uh, I'm trying to remember his name. I think it was Ovitz was yeah. um, one of the, the the next in line kind of thing and um, kept getting shut down and kept getting forced out until he also tapped out and it left Eisner in a very unchecked kind of situation at the top. And then we had this, this young upstart for want of a better terminology that had risen through these ranks and came in to, um, to start shaking things up. And I mean, in what we know of Eisner, he had to feel threatened. Mm-hmm. He, he was, uh, we, we've got on various accounts from many people close to him that he was perpetually worried about uh, his own, uh, the succession from him and um, was worried about that that would come before he wanted. Um, and, and we saw that happen where Roy, Roy Disney, um, used his power and influence and the name of, uh, of his, of his uncle to, um, to shake up the leadership and say, we're, we're doing something, get on board. And it was enough to let some of those people that had been yes men to Eisner, um, step aside and let, um, a new, uh, usher in a new era, so to speak. Well, when we see the the rebirth of Disney animation, that's when you really see, and like you said, Frank Wells passes away in the uh, the helicopter crash. The you see Katzenberg and Eisner and Roy Disney, this like triangle of just egos going at each other, and I think that Eisner's always on his heels, like ready to punch back at times. And now you have Iger coming in. I mean, it was so bad to the point to, that Roy Disney created a save disney pledge yeah against this guy and and here's the other thing is that this wasn't something that went on this wasn't something that where the company was facing this and the senior leadership was struggling with this for 12 months no like we're, we're talking the late 90s where this all started to snowball and it didn't come to fruition until 2005 yeah this is this is the better part of a decade where with everybody going well what's going on what's what's next what's what's happening what's and like that's a that's a very interesting time uh and a prolonged elongated period of time for disney to be having these challenges yeah so we see uh finally in 2005 that Iger is announced as the next ceo of, of the disney company um but it would be another 6 months until he would actually take the helm mike what do you think is, is going on? Transition of power is happening. Uh, you know, I, I think each we're seeing it now. We've just seen a transition of power within Disney Company that each leader kind of want wants to put a mark on the parks and the Disney Company and 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 the movies and animation pretty pretty quickly. How easy do you think the transition of power is up until then? I think it's got to be a, you want it to have a smooth transition as power, obviously. And as smart as Iger is, I think he wants to pay attention to what Eisner's faults were and probably work off of those and say, hey, listen, you know, you've been doing it this way for this long. I'm going to do it better this way. Take what you have and, you know, d- work with the, the cards you're dealt and do it better. And I think you want to make, you don't want to come in and make a huge impact. You know, you don't want to, th- you know, change everything right away. You kind of want to see what works and go with it. I think in any kind of leadership 
position, uh, whether, you know, especially with this, with a company this size and the scope and everything that's involved with this. I think you don't come in and just change everything right away. I think you work with what it has and you try and make it a smoother transition because your smoother transition to you keep using and utilizing what's actually working will help you in the long run. And I, and I think he's smart enough to do that. And as you can see, he kind of was, you know, he didn't come in and change everything, but he made the right changes that needed to be made. The one thing smart that the Disney company did, and I think now you've seen it again happen with this next transition, is they, when they make the switch, they said, this is the switch. It's done. So Iger took over all responsibilities once he was named. Like, you know, it, it, he was there. Chapey kind of, what, it was a year and a half? It was in, out, in, I don't know, like toe in the water. Ooh, pool's cold. I don't really know what's happening. Ooh, you know. It didn't really happen that way with this one. This time when he said, you named, you instantly the next day have, but also you got to give Michael Eisner credit. The dude stayed on board for six months to guide and lead and show. I mean, you're training your next, you know, your replacement. For what is one of the greatest gigs in the world. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, let's jump into to look, he's CEO now. This is the great part. Go ahead, Dave. Um, no, I uh, wanted to tack on to what Mike was saying there because yeah. um, it, as Mike was saying, you don't want to shake things up. You want to see how things are going to fall. But to Iger's credit, he didn't start messing with the company per se from the outset, what he did was he realized these things that had been working and he said, I'm sick of working with these things. We're just going to start bringing them in and, <laughs> and building the company. And it really established the legacy of, of what Iger was going to do uh, during his time at the helm, because he said oh, like he's CEO for what less than six months, I think mm -hmm. three or four months. Yeah. And he buys Pixar. Yeah. You know, we're just going to buy Pixar. Yeah. yeah. Which had been creating so much question marks and turmoil. And the last couple of Pixar movies had been released as a Disney presentation of a Pixar film. And he said, done. We're now Disney Pixar. Yeah. <laughs> Genius. Just well, Joe, it leads me to uh, going into like his his decision making and the way he's going to be a CEO. It leads me to another of his quotes. And that is you can't allow tradition to get in the way of innovation. There's a need to respect the past, but it's a mistake to revere your past. Which is a great way to look at becoming a new CEO of a Fortune 500 company. Um, talking about his decision making, you're right. I think, Joe, I think he approaches Disney with an ambitious point of view. He thinks, no, he I have this and I can go after it. No, he he definitely does, and like and like Dave said, like within you know months of him being there, he buys you know he helps acquire Pixar for seven point four billion. The one part I love about this, this is how creative this guy is, right? You could tell he came from the sport. This is my favorite Iger thing. You could tell he came from the sports background. Not only does he get he helps acquire Pixar for seven point four billion, but he also gets Oswald the Lucky Rabbit back. Yes, and he's got the cre he's got the creative mind where he involves Al Michaels who to me is one of the best play-by-play -play guys, color guys in American history. He's, he's up there. He's on the, he's, he's, Al Michaels is absolutely amazing. He involves Al Michaels from ABC Sports in the acquisition with NBC Universal. Like, so he gets back 
a beloved character of Oswald the Lucky Rabbit in a deal with Al Michaels, who's a current like play-by-play broadcaster. The dude's on a job for like months. And, and it's like, not only did he get this large, successful company, but he, he also gets like Oswald the Lucky Rabbit back. It's, I just think it's absolutely amazing. The guy's got a set on him, and I loved it. He's just like, I'm here. I'm running the show now. I'm not standing still. Like like he said before, I'm moving forward, and he's he was already he was off and running. I, I, just, I just think that's amazing. And I remember when that happened. I was like, Al Michaels was traded? To like to NBC, like it was just crazy. But it was one of my it was one of my favorite. As like as a sports guy, as one of my favorite things, and that's why we're lucky to see Oswald now in yeah, the parks. Yeah, I mean that's it. It all stems back to Bob. It's Iger. one of my favorite Disney stories overall. I mean, not even with Bob Iger because it's Walt Disney's greatest loss is Oswald. It's his. If you were to ask him, it's his greatest loss. But, and he got it back. But it was also one of his, uh, Walt Disney's greatest learning opportunities oh, where where he realized that he was a kid that had negotiated a bad contract mm-hmm. and come out on the wrong side of it. And he took this and said, I'm going to never put my my ideas in a, in a place where I can lose them again. And then we get this full circle moment where Bob comes in and says, <laughs> we're going to get him back. Yeah. What a a nod to Walt Disney, too. Like, that wasn't necessary. That really had nothing to do with the company. To be honest, Oswald's not a moneymaker for the company. But he's a legacy. He's a legacy, 100%. He's part of the history. But but only to people like us. That's the thing. To this people is true. like us, then we love him. I mean, but I it love ma- But it mattered to us. He's my and Disney it matters Plus now. Uh, logo. Like, you know, you set your image on Disney Plus. Oh. He's my image. Is Oswald. I love him. Um, Mine's but, Iron Man. Nice. What's yours, Mike? <laughs> Do you know? Darth Vader. Darth Vader? Mm-hmm. Joe? Mine's a Pumbaa. Pumbaa. <laughs> <laughs> well, three out of so the four funny. of us have acquisitions by Bob Iger. <laughs> I love it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, what what a great nod to the man himself. And somewhere, uh, Walt was smiling. You know, the fact that, and not only that, he really didn't give up anything. He didn't give up anything. I mean, yes, he's great. But this, NBC had been coming after him, uh, coming after Michaels for years. And Disney would never get rid of him. And all of a sudden, he's like, wait, you want, you, you want him just to, just to do football games? All right, well, give us Oswald. Like, okay, deal. We're not doing anything <laughs> with Oswald anyway. So, uh, so what? What a what a great great addition to to what they did. Um, let's talk a little bit about just we talked about Pixar. I, Mike, what's the importance of Pixar and Disney now that you look back? You know, twenty five years later. Well, the whole the whole that whole time period where they you know with the Little Mermaid and all of the movies that came out, um, the the whole reanimation of the Disney stuff. I mean, animation is what we, what brought us to Disney in the first place, and the whole rebranding of that with the Pixar and, and the whole renaissance of the uh, the animation, I think, was a huge part of his part of his career. Yeah, no, I mean, you you talk about it, like we had the rebirth of Disney animation, and then it falls right into Pixar. Which was meant to fail. I mean, Pixar was meant to fail multiple times. You talk about great companies that were bankrupt before they ever became great. Pixar is one of those. It was saved uh, by you know uh, by Steve Jobs and, and saved by uh, you know Disney and and just it was one of those companies that no one at the time thought that the technology was there and it would be able to be sus- sustainable. That's a hard word to say. Sustainable. And, uh, and and carried out, and people would enjoy it. No one thought you could tell a story through 
computer animation. Does that sound familiar? People used to tell Walt Disney, you can't put emotion through animation. And he would do it. He would put emotion through his storytelling and through through these drawings. It was, it was absolutely incredible. Um, and plus, now we see Pixar in the parks. We see Pixar merchandise. We see shows. We see movies. We see all that stuff. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about just the brand in general. Joe, when we look at the Disney brand, I think that the brand took a step up during Bob Iger's leadership. Not in, not in specific areas, but the brand itself on a global level took a step up. What do you think? Yeah, he Disney became like Disney if I'm not mistaken, Disney had some problems in the 80s, right? They were almost taken over at one time. In the 90s, they had a little bit of turmoil, right? But under his tutelage, you know, from like 2000 on, started acquiring companies, Pixar, you know, Lucasfilm, Marvel, like they became a giant power player. And look, I'm not the biggest corporate stock guy, whatever, but Disney was always a big company, but they became a major player. And it's with the advent of like the internet and social media and just it just it became like I said it's a, a power player and, and and honestly with all the acquisitions that Iger was responsible for like the brand just ex- exploded and expanded and it touched almost everybody's lives if you were a Star Wars fan nope Disney touches you there if you're a Marvel fan it touches you there if you're a you know, classic you know if you're a Pixar fan it touches you it, it touches everybody in some sort of way and Disney's such in, ingrained in our everyday culture that like it's a lot of it is due to Bob Iger taking it to the next level. I mean, he really was responsible for it. Eisner took the parks, I believe, and said animation to to that next level, and then Iger just took it even mm-hmm. further. You know what I'm yep. saying? So, you know, we can only hope. <laughs> we can only hope that Chapek says the same thing. But honestly, the, the two guys, and I'm an Eisner fan too. I, I am. But I mean, these guys have both done. These are both huge shoes to fill. They really are. But Disney's a power player, major player now because of him on the world stage. Well, we started to see a a small decline towards the end of Eisner. Eisner took funding out of animation towards the end. Um, You notice like films like Home on the Range, stuff like that, where you're like, ooh, that's a little, that's not, that's not Little Mermaid. That's not Lion King. That's not Beauty and the Beast. And when Iger came in, he said, it is a really fun movie. It's fine. But it's a really fun movie. It's fine. I came in and he said, we're going to put money into high quality animation. We talked about Pixar, but let's talk Disney animation. Dave, that's where I think Iger took a huge step is moving on the Disney animation side of things. Yeah. I mean, he, he was, he created this almost multi-celled organism that mm-hmm. was simultaneously working and he was able to split his focus and um, and keep all of them moving forward, uh, which is a testimony to him because um, touching quickly on your previous question about the brand, um, very early on in the piece, um, he, was, he was quoted as saying that he wanted the Disney company to be one of the most admired companies in the world. That was his goal. And uh, for many years, particularly towards the end of uh, his time there, uh, 2020, they were listed as one of the Forbes most admired companies in the world. Like talk about achieving a goal. And he did this by taking these Pixar and Star Wars, but yes, these animated movies of the last 15 years 
the that it would have been very easy to be like, oh yeah, well, well, um, computer animation is the way of the future, and we're going to invest heavily in these Pixar movies that are doing great. But he was like, no, I still want Disney animation to be moving forward. Like uh, we've we've seen Tangled and Frozen and movies that changed the the genre completely and put it on its head um that yeah that have been hugely successful i'm i muted myself how funny is that oh, okay oh it's all good uh no well it's to to take piggyback on what you said you know when we look at like the disney institute and we look at other fortune 500 companies during Iger's time have now reached out and said, Hey, we want to mimic what you do. Like we want to learn from you. That, that stems from him. That doesn't stem from anyone before. That is, that is a brand new thing. And I love the fact that he's the one that says, yes, we will be the gold standard and we'll put our name to it. Like we will be the gold standard that, that you rely on to, to do your training as well. And that really says something when somebody will put their name out there and, and do that. Let's get into our favorite thing. Let's get into Disney parks. Because this is just a conversation. Let's chat a little bit about all the things you have. Look, we've got from Disney Animation, you get things like Frozen. Now Princess and the Frog's coming. Um, you get uh, uh, all that good stuff coming. But also, you got Pixar in the parks going out to DCA. You know, you've got it in Animal Kingdom. Um, the guy knows what he's doing about the parks. And I think people were kind of down on him at the beginning. Because his big first thing he does is New Fantasyland. And it took longer than expected. But the guy did put money back into the theme parks. So what I'm, what I'm going to challenge you guys to do is to think back pre-Iger uh, and think about what the parks are like to now. If you, if you clear it out and you really think about it, Think of the differences you see, and it's unbelievable. The growth in 16 years. It's unbelievable. Think back to when we would all visit the parks in the 90s and to now what's there. Joe, you were a Disney kid. Uh You were there all the time. Do you think Iger's uh, additions to the parks were good enough? And do you think that... Uh, he should be hailed as someone who who put enough emphasis on the Disney parks. So this is the definition of you always think the grass is greener when it's not. And when you have a good thing, you don't know you have a good thing until it's gone. And we all as fans probably complained at one time or another that wasn't good enough, wasn't fast enough. Uh, why didn't we do this? But when you phrase it that way, Justin, think about it. I'm thinking about old Fantasyland. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about Animal Kingdom without Pandora. I'm thinking about no Toy Story Land. Listen, even though I'm not the biggest Star Wars fan, you know, no Galaxy's Edge, you know, that backstage lot tour, as much as I loved it, it was it was losing its luster. You know what I'm saying? Like all of those major, all the DVC That's resorts. That's what I was going to ask you about next. I, I'm a resort yeah. guy. All of all of the expansion of DVC, the resorts itself. Alani. That, yeah, Alani. That's, that's not there. That's, that's not there. So, Look, it's it's always we we wish we knew we were in the good times before the good times were over with, right? And 
I think we might be seeing that a little bit right now, not to, to badmouth certain people, but like, listen, right, right. I mean, the guy was good. We just didn't know it, how good he was until he stepped away. And I think that's what it is. And you put it really great about like just thinking back to the early nineties and it's, it's a different place. It really is. It's like, go back and watch some, go back and find some old beer bombs or some old travel guides and see the differences in the park. You're hundred percent right. It's a different place. It really is. Mike, two words, Disney Springs. Yeah. You know, I, I I've I've witnessed this through my own eyes. You know, I I wasn't like Joe. I didn't go to the parks a lot as a kid. We, you know, my parents were really didn't do that as a vacation. I went a couple of times, but you know, we took Sarah when she was four years old, and Sammy was only nine months old. So since 2003, we've been going through the parks every single year, two, three, four times a year. So I've literally saw the, the how it grew and what it became from 2003 up until then. Uh, we became DVC members. We you know we we, we invested in the park. We loved the vacationing so much in those earlier years that this became our family thing this is this is what it became why we became dvc members this is why we went to the park year after year after year after year uh and time after time because this is what we got to see i watched Fantasyland get built you know every from one trip to the next i watched the, the groundbreaking for you know for animal kingdom when they did the pandora which i was completely surprised how well it pulled off i thought it was going to be awful but it, they, they did a great job with it and i and i've seen this the entire time and and I've taken Sarah to Pleasure Island when she was a little kid. You know, we walked around that area, and now it is what it is now as of Disney Springs. So um, I've, I've actually got to witness the growth and see his whole time and expand it the way that it's just it's, it's, a, it's a remarkable and amazing. And, and it's because of that goodness is why we're still here. Yeah, I mean, the guy, the guy put an emphasis on the parks, and a lot of people said that he didn't. Not only the parks here. Look, we don't get Shanghai without him you know i mean like we don't get those parks abroad we don't get the additions to the parks abroad he, he we don't get the additions to a lot of people, our west coasters are screaming we don't get the saving of of dca you know where they went in and kind of rebranded dca when it when it first comes out it was great you know the guy who's in the parks the most uh dave i know you weren't there as early as that but you've seen it change a lot oh 100 percent. i mean I, I I envy people like Joe who got to go there as a kid. And I, I look at Mark talking about his time and focus on the parks. He's has really, he came in right as I was taking over um, if, with that timeline. So, um, and I've never known the parks without, I've never known the Disney company without Iger. So um, it's definitely, definitely something that like, it's, it's this emotional attachment to the idea of him and the, the steadiness of him being there. Um, And we've seen, as you said, all of this growth, like things like I I look at the backdrop of your uh, green screen tonight. And you've got um, the castle there. Think of how mm-hmm. our what, nighttime spectaculars have changed in the last 15 years. They went from being a fireworks show to a, a show of projections mm-hmm. with accompanying fireworks. Like we're, we're now like we've, we're changing the way we do these things. And um, yeah, we've seen such tremendous growth in all of our parks around the world and all these different brand elements and the, this IP that has created this connection uh, through the parks over over the last 15 plus years. 
No, you're 100% right. Uh, it, it, it's, it, it really is amazing to see. It's funny because it's almost like watching your kids grow up. When you go to the parks a lot, you see your kid every day. So you don't notice like as they start to get taller. But then grandma will come in town and go, oh, my goodness, you've gotten so big. As she pinches the cheeks and does all that. That's my, gra- that's my grandma impersonation. That uh, was great. That was good, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. uh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. That's, that's, that's what I go for. How, how does that go again? <laughs> you look like getting so big. Come here. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's what I do. Uh, but let's talk about the, the deadly word. Okay, Let's talk about the word that a lot of people, when you talk about Iger, Real Disney fans, I'm going to be interested, Joe, to get your opinion on this, so I'm going to save you for last. Let's talk IPs. Because he, I think if anything is known about Bob Iger, the IPs that he brings into the Disney company may be the most important that have ever been done in any entertainment company in history. Starting with Marvel. Dave, I'm going to go Marvel to you. What did Marvel, the acquisition of Marvel, bring to this company? I mean, Marvel, Marvel was so complex, um, and there were so many, there were so many nuances to it, and we're still seeing that play out years later after the acquisition, where we can't have this attraction yet, or we're where this has to happen on the West coast because it's uh, West of the Mississippi. Or if you want to be able to meet this character, you have to get on a cruise ship and go for a Marvel day at sea. Um, There was so, there was, it was so complex and so intricate um, and it needed to be completely figured out before we started moving forward. And we were all, and there was, like the train was starting to pull away from the station. We were, we were already getting this uh, Iron Man and this introduction of some of these characters uh, in the MCU. And it had to happen if like, and everything had to fall into place. And for, for us to now be seen uh, somewhere in the next six months, if everything goes according to plan, uh, we're going to see the longest, fastest indoor roller coaster mm-hmm. in the world premiered at a with a Marvel theme premiered in an East Coast Disney theme park. That's huge. That's like there's so much to it. And that's only one ride and one speck of it that um, that we've got to look forward to. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Uh, the next huge acquisition, of course, that we see in the Disney parks is Star Wars, Mike. I mean, what did it mean to you when he goes out and he spends that kind of cash and gets Star Wars? As a Star Wars lover, you know, of, of, of my childhood, it was great. One of my favorite things was going to Hollywood Studios and doing the Star Tours and being able to embrace that little bit of uh, Star Wars stuff that I liked. The fact that we had the new movies and I was able to bring my kids into, Sammy's particularly, because she became a big Star Wars fan, to watch her do the movies, relive them, kind of see it through my eyes. It was very cool because I got to see what my parents got to see with me. So to be able to see her embrace the Star Wars and take it all in and to have so much more of an expansive park to be able to really enjoy every moment, uh, I mean, that that's just absolutely amazing. Um, I think it was fantastic. I think people say that it has its place, you know, because it's a little overwhelming, but uh, I, I think it was well worth done. And I think um, 
you know, when they when they acquired Pandora, I was a little questionable about that. You know, like, is that really going to take off? Is it worth putting all that money into the park and taking that much stuff? And and obviously, it was a good choice. And you know, uh, that land at night in Animal Kingdom is amazing. But you know, Souls Galaxy's Edge, and you can even if you're not a Star Wars fan, someone like Joe, I think you can appreciate it for what it is and for the detail and for all of the storytelling that goes along with it, and to see everybody enjoy it. The people that really love it really enjoy it. Joe, it's one of those things too, man. He said it where. Like, I think anyone can go and enjoy these lands, but also you see Iger's the first one who comes in and literally is not afraid to completely rebrand parks that are known to Disney fans to be loved. That he's taken individual parks like Animal Kingdom and said, we're going to take a whole area and just this is what it is. It's an IP and we hope you enjoy it. We're going to put our whole heart into it. He takes Magic Kingdom, New Fantasyland. He takes uh, um, uh, Hollywood Studios and Galaxy's Edge. And now we're seeing with Epcot, you know, where you have Guardians coming in and we have these areas that he's really gone after. I think he did a really good job at taking individual ideas and, and putting them into these theme parks that we've loved for decades. Well, I agree with you that... The, so my view on IPs is I still want to see some original content coming out of the Disney company. I want to still see some new original characters. I just don't want to see stuff bought and being shoved into the parks. However, what he's done, like you said, with Animal Kingdom and Avatar, like when you walk into Pandora, like you, you'd never think twice that that themed land does not belong in Animal Kingdom. You, you do not think you, there's never a time where you're like, this doesn't belong here. When you're in the new fantasy land, you're never like, you know what? This just doesn't look right here. Like it, it blends in perfectly. Even with, you know, what he's done with the, the studios with Galaxy's Edge, you know, and with, with Toy Story Land, you know, that all is back with Hollywood and movies and film. And, and he, they've merged it. They've, they've done it properly. They were, they don't feel like they're out of place. And I, that's what I'm really hopeful. You know, I'm an old school Epcot fan. I love old school future world, right? But obviously, like we've talked tonight, things are never going to stay the same. Things are going to constantly change. And I'm really hoping that they, you know, under his, because this all project started under him, you know, we're hoping that the current leadership will take that vision and run with it and kind of merge it into what it is today and make it feel cohesive. And that's why I think it's a good word. It's cohesive. He's taken IPs so far, or him and the company have taken IPs so far and made them cohesive to the parks. And that's why, so even though I'm not the biggest fan of IPs all the time, what they've done so far, even out in California with the Marvel, um, oh God, I apologize, the new Marvel land out in a mm-hmm. DCA, yeah. right? It, it, it fits in properly. You know what I'm saying? It, it doesn't, I haven't seen it in person, but what I've seen online through vloggers, it looks like it belongs there. So they're taking stuff, they're not just shoehorning it in, they're blending it in and make it look cohesive. And I think that's what I'm hopeful for, for the future, that it's going to be a cohesive project that under his leadership it started that will continue under the current leadership so the last thing that i really want to hit on guys is um is something that is we're now seeing really save the disney company after covid hit disney plus really stepped up and without disney plus i don't know where this company would be um dave i'm coming to you but first i want to leave you with another quote from bob Iger. he says um there's no science and creativity. If you don't give yourself room to fail, you won't innovate. I think with Disney Plus, there was lots of room to fail, and he took yep. the step to do it. Yep. What is your thoughts on the last really impactful thing he did as a CEO of the Walt Disney Company, the acquisition of Fox, and the implementation of Disney Plus into all of our living rooms? <sighs> giving himself that room to fail and 
and and betting on himself that it wasn't is um is incredible um and i'm going to use one particular thing that came in disney plus to exemplify how they bet on themselves and how they were super focused on um on the brand and on making it a success because I'm going to take something that's near and dear to Mike's heart and, um, and say Mandalorian could have tanked. All right. It was a huge and, and knowing Mike and his uh, hesitation sometimes, and he's already talked tonight about worried about Pandora, would it work? galaxy's edge was it going to be something there there must have been a part of him and every other star wars fan that said what are you doing why are you doing something new who who is this guy what what why are we getting just this random mandalorian what what story are we telling here and it's my understanding and i'm happy to be wrong on this or but it there was a core group of people that knew about the child. Nobody knew the child was happening. If you think about it from a merchandising point of view, the Disney company is renowned for merchandising. And if everybody had been in the loop, we would have seen baby Yoda everywhere immediately. But there was this lapse where people were screaming out for it. And everybody was like, we don't have it. We didn't know this was happening. And they kept this secret and they held it and they said, we're going to drop this and it's going to be incredible. And they did. And they backed themselves with Mandalorian and it's, and we're seeing it with, uh, and I'm going to bring up something that I, I think Justin is a little worried about right now. We know that there's a national treasure uh, TV show coming. I watched it twice today. <laughs> twice today. Twice. And so there has to be a part of you that is like, you better not mess this up. Don't mess it up. Nicholas isn't there. And and Riley Paul isn't there. Don't mess it up. And don't mess it up. My kid but is named we- Riley Abigail because of that movie. <laughs> but then we see that we see what they've done with Disney Plus with some of these other um uh with some of these other elements. Spin-offs, yeah. Yeah. And the success um that has come from that. So, um, so yeah, you have to, you have to look at, at what we have created with that Disney plus exemplified in that. Um, and, and so before we wrap up and talking about the success of Bob, am I good to go into this? Yeah, man, go talk yeah. about it. I know you want to get so, into a little bit. I did. I wanted to touch on something because if we know anything about, and, and to, and before I go any further, I do want to state that what I'm about to talk about is my personal opinion. Um, this is not me speaking on behalf of the company or on behalf of anybody else. But there's this hesitation at the moment, and we've even heard it discussed tonight um, in, in in what's to come. Now that the the reins have been officially yielded, and we know that this now rests with Bob Chapek uh, and the senior leadership. And the, uh, the only 
the only solace I take is that if we know anything about how corporate America works and about how the Disney company works, we credit Bob Iger with these acquisitions and with, um, with the success of the last 15 plus years. But we also know that Bob probably didn't come up with all of this on his own. Mm-hmm. Let's not be completely naive. There were checks and balances and teams that were investigating it and negotiations and much of this stuff that has come from Bob Iger standing on a stage announcing Star Wars Galaxy's Edge came through those leadership levels and through Bob Chapek to get there. And so, and we know that from his background, Chapek is a keen businessman um, who is, uh, who is sometimes in some people's opinion, maybe too focused on the all holy dollar. Um, and, but we, we, we know that he cares for this brand as well and has done so for years. He hasn't just stepped in to take over. That said, it's also been a very interesting time for his, him taking over and a very interesting transition as you alluded to. And so it'll be interesting to see how, um, how this plays out and what happens over the next few years th- with this. What I would like to say, and once again, as my own personal opinion, and I'm kind of building off some things that I've heard said, and that is that I truly hope and believe that there will be a time in the future where we look back on this period of time in much the same way as we look back on the end of the Eisner era and the transition into Bob's time. And, um, and we look back on these different periods and I hope that we're going to be able to say that maybe Bob Chapek wasn't the leader we all wanted right now, but he may have been the leader that we needed because there's been some very serious business-based decisions made in the last 18 plus months and that have potentially saved this company, as you said, with Disney plus from a very different outcome. And I, I truly hope that we're able to sit back and say, he may not have been the leader we wanted, but he may have been the leader we needed it during this time. And I also with that hope that we can turn a corner and start building towards a time where we appreciate the hard work of the cast members on that front line and uh, start to rebuild some of these IP opportunities and um, some of these brands and maybe start to acquire some new things as well. Yeah. I, well, I, no one's cheering harder for the guy than, than I am. I mean, like I, I want, I want uh, Bob Chapik to succeed and, and hope and hope he does for sure. I, I, I definitely, I think all Disney fans do because it means the best for us in the long run. I do think it'll be good to see him get a, a a public relations person really close to him that would get him just to maybe hug and smile every now and then. That's one thing Iger always had. That smile was worth that smile was worth thirty five million a year, baby. Uh, that, thing's, <laughs> that Bob Iger smile is it's reassuring. I'm like, ooh, he's happy. I like that guy. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. 
He needs to hang out with Josh tomorrow a little bit more because Josh tomorrow's got that whole kind of warm personality. That swag, man. Yeah. yeah, he's got it. But you know, one of the one of the other accomplishments that we didn't talk about for uh, Iger today was the uh, my Disney experience and the Magic Bands and some of the stuff and technology we saw in the park. Uh, one of the cool things with the My Disney Experience is if you're out in the park and you see some of the photo pass people, they can take your picture. You can go on to that My Disney Experience, check your pictures out, and then when you have those great pictures, post them to our Facebook page because that brings me to my favorite thing every week. And that would be Picks of the Week. Picks of the Week. Picks of the Week. It's time for us to get our Picks of the Week. All right, Picks of the Week. Joe, why don't you go with me? What's your Pick of the Week? Well, it's been a big week at Epcot with the start of the Epcot International Festival of Figment. And uh, so I'm wearing my Figment what? shirt today. That's I got my not Figment a thing. background. <laughs> no, that's definitely a thing. We're getting that started right now. So my pick of the week uh, goes to uh, our good friend Charles Mary. And he was uh, lucky enough to get a Figment popcorn bucket. And, you know, a lot of people have been posting their photos about, yeah, hey, I got my bucket. Well, Charles posted a photo of his bucket buckled into the front seat of his car. And the caption says, safe for the ride home. So that's a guy who's taking care of his buddy, Little Figment. So that gets my pick of the week is Charles Mary buckling in his Figment popcorn bucket into his I love car. it. Well I done. love it. Charles, I know I I know I, I jumped the gun and asked for my popcorn. I'm sorry. Okay. I didn't mean. I, I, I misread our, our, our conversation. I'm happy you got one. I'm happy you got one. Happy for you. Not sad at all. Very good. Justin, what's your uh, pick of the week? Uh, my pick goes to Robin Allen. Uh, they were down in the park and said, when Kenzie found out on Christmas morning that we were going to Disney, she told everyone over and over she was going to ride Tower Terror. Kind of a big deal for her since she chickened out the last time. Standby was 50 minutes, but she really wanted to go. So at the end of the night, we off we went. She did it and loved it. Way to conquer your fears, Kenzie. Amazing. I, uh, I'm i so proud of you. I hope you had a blast. Hope you went hands up the whole time. And I uh, can't wait to hopefully see you real soon in the parks. Very cool. Dave, what do you got for me? What's your pick of the week? Ooh, um, I mean, I, I've featured in a couple of picks of uh, picks on the Facebook group recently. I've I've had a very busy couple of weeks. I uh, shout out to Donny Herbert came running through a park to try to find me the <laughs> other day. Um, uh, I've uh, run into uh, Unker and Amy, um, and I've even been able to host a tour with the daughter of uh, one of our avid listeners. Um, and uh, and his parents, but not him himself. Jeff, Jeff Positano um, booked a tour, and uh, I got to uh, host his daughter uh, Riley, who decided to tell me that she wants to be a Walt Disney World VIP tour guide. So I had my work cut out for me, and I went walking through this park with this young lady, who we would stand in a line, and I'd be like, "Hey, did you know?" And she'd start telling me the story. That's awesome. It was great. I I loved it. It was an incredible day on tour. Um, there have been so many amazing pictures, but I want to give a shout out to somebody who has been updating regularly with a bunch of photos left, right, and center. Uh, Laurie Templeton Euler has just been knocking it out of the park um, with daily updates and loading up uh, different um different posts and all different moments from their vacation. It's hard to pick just one, um, but uh, just uh, there's an amazing shot um, with uh, just 
everything um her the the group uh when they first arrived i wanted to mention um her husband two kids uh all grabbing grabbing a drink and um and made mention of one of joe's favorite places uh gurgling suitcase got a shout out in the post i i thought of you when i saw that so uh, i'm gonna give laurie my pick of the week and say thanks um uh what about you what about you mike what do you got uh, have we have we hit everything well, we've taken quite a bit, but, you know, one of my picks of the week is definitely going to go to, and, you know, I, I'm a sucker for seeing the friendships that, that evolve from the podcast. Mm-hmm. I think it's great. Yeah. And I know that uh, Donnie Hebert and uh, Charles Murray got to hang out together, mm-hmm. and I, uh, Charles did an amazing photo shoot for his son, and some of those pictures are absolutely incredible. It's kind of hard when you have someone who's a professional photographer for picks of the week. He kind of uh, sets the bar pretty high, but, you know, we, you know, we love Charles. We love Donnie. You guys are great people on our Disney Dad family. We really appreciate you guys, and uh, happy birthday to your son, Donnie. Yeah, fantastic. Guys, I tell you what, um, it's it's been an amazing couple weeks in the parks. We loved all the pictures. It's been great over on the Facebook group. If you've not done so, go over and join now. It's Disney Dad's Podcast Family on Facebook. That's where we post all of our stuff. That's where we also uh, you know, get to know you, get to know your family, see your picks, get our picks of the week. So if you're not joined, why not? Go over if you're a Disney fan. It's the most positive Disney place on the internet. If you are interested in becoming a patron member, man... I tell you what, now's the time because we have a fun show tonight. So go click that link right below this. And for as little as $2.30 a month or even lower, if you want to pay for the year in full, uh, you can uh, you can join. You, you save 15% if you pay in full for the year. So go right now. You can join. There's multiple tiers over there with lots of different additions. You can even get the video of the show, which you'll definitely want this evening. You'll want to be able to see what's happening. And uh, it's always fun. And last but not least, if you like what we're doing, if you like the fact that we're trying to build a positive family. We're trying to make this place the most fun, positive Disney place on the internet. Uh, then please go over, slap us five stars, give us that virtual hug, leave a nice comment. It helps us reach more and more people each and every week. So I think I've done all of my stuff. If nothing else, then head down below and you'll be good. Dave. Um, I just wanted to say I've been doing some research on how this works. And here is my challenge uh, for the start of this year uh, is you mention it on a regular basis. Hey, leave us a quick comment. Mm-hmm. Don't just leave us a comment. Give us a review. Yeah. Tell tell somebody new, somebody that you don't know why they should be clicking on this and tuning in. Um, we've heard feedback where we know we're called the Disney Dads. And some people might be scrolling through and be like, I don't want to listen to four old guys talk about it, uh, about Disney. Like, and we write about three of you. (laughs) Moving on. Um, (laughs) Like leave, leave us a, leave us a, a review. Take a few moments to write a couple of sentences so that somebody who is running through and looking for something new to listen to might stop and go, Oh, I, I should possibly listen to that. Give us a review. We'd really appreciate it. Um, it. It helps bring new people to the family and it helps to grow and um, bring more people together uh, in this common cause of shining some positivity on what we do. 100%. Uh, as we go to close it up, I don't know how it's gone. We've got an hour and 10 minutes. How we've gone this long and no one's asked me why I'm dressed this way. So I, I, I just can't. No, rest- no, I can explain that. We we don't care. Oh, you don't care? Oh, we well, should care. Because... <laughs> 
on the uh, patron side tonight, we have something that I need to dress up for. So I am in bow tie and suit uh, tonight that I am super excited about. So let's go to closing words talking about Bob Iger, talking about this great man who led this company uh, through some amazing times, some amazing additions, some amazing uh, IP acquisitions. Joe, I'm going to start with you, buddy. So uh, the phrase don't judge a book by its cover comes to this. Uh, I think I had judgments about this man uh, until the show. You kind of hear things. And from doing some research about the show and listening to you guys talk about him, I have definitely a new respect for him and what he did for not only for the Disney company, which I know it means a lot to Dave as you know his employer, but also to his where Disney parks fans and parks people. And yeah, it's I got a lot more respect for what he did and for where he pointed the company to. So uh yeah, don't judge a book by its cover. Look into it, do your research and uh I'm pretty I'm pretty impressed by the guy. So uh yeah, but looking forward to uh Patreon. Uh stand by you guys are up next. Dave Um speaking of books, I mean Bob Iger's book titled Ride of a Lifetime. Mm-hmm. Like what what a ride it's been for the Disney company and um and what a life uh, focused, as you said, from the beginning, like he's been with this company for years and years, even before it was acquired and he rose through the ranks. This has been his ride and, and we've, we're blessed to have been part of it and to be able to continue living the legacy of it. Mike? Uh, year after year, I've got to see the changes. I've got to see his improvements and what he's done to make the parks better. And for that, I thank him. Very much. Uh, guys, I am so excited. Patrons, stick around because I am putting on my game show host uh, voice. And we are playing Are You Smarter Than a 39-Year-Old Australian on the patron side. I am super excited. Australian-only trivia uh, we'll be doing over there. So stick around. We are going to see if you are smarter than a 39-Year-Old Australian. And it's going to be a lot of fun. Guys, I've had a blast talking about Bob Iger. Thank you guys so much. As I always say, spread some Disney cheer. Have some fun. Make someone smile. And until next time, we will see you real soon. Have a good night, everybody. I think I'm sick. (laughs) Cheers. (laughs) Have a good night. See you, guys. On behalf of the Disney Dads, we want to say thank you. We hope you find a little magic in your life every day, spread some Disney love, and keep moving forward. Each of us has a dream, a heart's desire. It calls to us. And when we're brave enough to listen and bold enough to pursue, that dream will lead us on a journey to discover who we're meant to be. All we have to do is look inside our hearts and unlock the magic within. Ready to begin, let the wonder And that's a wrap. This has been YDF Media Productions.